want us to look at a very familiar scripture this morning. And it's, it's Matthew chapter 11. The gospel of Matthew is described as the kingly gospel. It presents Jesus as king. It's the gospel of the king of the kingdom. And you see that in, in how Matthew presents Jesus. Mark presents Jesus as the servant. And we, we find that aspect of his humanity in Mark. The service of Christ, the ser- Christ being servant. And we, we begin to, to mesh all this together and we find something that Jesus gives us an invitation. He gives us an invitation. I have, a, I have a sign on my desk that says this. It says, hurry always empties the soul. Now, my wife, that's one of her favorite little phrases. Hurry always empties the soul. Say that with me. Hurry always empties the soul. And it really does. Hurried lives and hurried living. We live hurry-up lives, and we have hurried living. And that is all of us. It is the time. It is systemic to the age that we live. You have more on your plate than you can possibly do. You have more information than you can possibly handle. You have more at your fingertips than you know what to do with. And all of it is pressing. Now, let me just mention this as, and just remind you. I don't know if you're like me, but if, my, if I get a notification on my phone, and let's say I'm in a meeting or something, or I'm even in church, if there's a notification on my phone or if my phone rings, you know, the, you know my natural inclination is to do what? To take it out and, and say, okay, what's, what's urgent? And there's so much that presents itself in life that is urgent that's really not. And so we live on this sense of living on the edge of what is next and waiting for what's next. And, and, and our lives are, unbeknowingly, we are conditioned to live hurried lives. Now that's true. We see it in advertisements. We see it on our phone. And then there's this internal drive that you have. An internal drive to hurry. You are to become successful and you need to hurry at it and do it and be it. Or you need to become financially independent. You checked your 401k lately. You know? (laughs) Um, Are you becoming a good student? Are you becoming a good husband, wife, child, employee, father, mother, sister, brother? And all of a sudden, and then somebody posts something online, then you feel really inadequate because they post their picture-perfect life, and you feel inadequate. And within you, it internalizes as a sense, I need to hurry up and do something about my life. So we're, we're behind it all the time. And it's an internal stress that you learn to live with. And you say, okay, I need to do this, I need to do that, I need to do this, and I need to 
So I need to work on my cholesterol, and I need to make sure my blood pressure is down, and I need to and I need to hurry up and do it. And 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 I'll by the way I, I need oh I've got that project that's due, I've got this lesson to study for, and and then I've got all these things, and all of it just kind of presses in on us. And then you get older, and there, uh, there's real serious things of life that you deal with, whether it be sickness, whether it be your own health issues, whether it be caring for an ailing parent, whether, and, and all of a sudden, it just kind of, and you begin to take on one little weight at a time, and you carry it all. So there's that internal drive that you have that you feel is pressure. That you feel it is pressure. You feel it. I feel it. Matter of fact, I have to fight against it. I have to fight against it in my own life to say, okay, now what matters? What? And, I, and you step back and you, you, you try to figure that out. So, and then we feel the, pre- the pressures of clocking in and clocking out if you're in one of those systems. Or where your intrinsic value is the, is the bottom line of your balance sheet, if you're in business, or how much money's in your bank, if, you know, personally, or whatever, or what you're driving, or, and, and all of that is, is all the pressures that we feel from the pressures from outside of the world. Um, and we end up treating ourselves like some sort of machine. Some sort of machine that, that you you function and, and you gotta you got you divvy a little piece out here and a little piece out there and a little piece out here, a little piece out there, and then you know you got to hurry up and go to the doctor, no offense to doctors, to help us keep our car running. To help us keep running. And God has created you for more than that. Way more than that. He, is, he has created you for more than just a hurried up and waiting on life and, and just waiting on it. He's created you more for more than that. Why? Because the thing that you're really longing for in your life is real relationship and a real intimacy that God has created to have with you. So all of a sudden, our lives just get, you know, we busy God out. I mean, it's not intentional. It's not, it's not something we planned on. It just happens. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Say amen if you do. God becomes marginalized. Then you look at life and culture, and then, you know, you begin to look at all the things around you, and you're just like, whoa, 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 whoa. And life begins to feel very heavy. Matter of fact, <clears throat> church can begin to feel heavy. Just getting up and going. You got to get up and you got to get ready. And, you, you know, you got to, you know, at least, you know, comb your hair. Right? And, and, and so we begin to feel the, the pressures all around us. And it, honestly, it can, it can become weary, wearisome for us. Jesus dealt with, with these kind of things. He dealt with this issue of weariness. And I want to ask you this morning, are you feeling weary? Or is there an area that you're feeling weary? Is there an area that you feel like just kind of drags you down? Is there an area in your life that you kind of 
feel weary. And, and weariness, you know, we feel it physically sometimes, especially if, if we're not sleeping properly, especially if we're, you know, if we're, we're kind of on overload and we're exhausted physically. You know, you got to have sleep. Jesus exampled that. You got to have time for yourself and you have to have time alone. And I have to have some, sometimes a lot of that, a time alone to think. Time alone to, to draw my collections of my thoughts and, and listen to God speak to me. So sometimes we feel, we feel physically exhausted. And, and, of course, the remedy for physical exhaustion is, is what? It's rest. It's sleep. It's, it's rest. You know, it's okay to sleep. I, I just heard that, that there is a new condition out. Um called fear of missing out. Did you know that was? I didn't know it. I found out this week that that's a condition. Fear of missing out. And, and so now with being our connectedness to the, all the world, you, you've got news of what's going on worldwide. And there's something always going, you know, it's the sun's always shining somewhere. Well, the sun's always shining, period, but it's always shining somewhere on our globe. And you're missing out on something. And so we, we're living in a time that, that, that it's, you know, we are conditioned to feel like that you might just be missing out on something. Now, I remember, I lost this somewhere a long time ago, but I remember it was really a condition that I had as a teenager. You know, the thing that was going on was maybe at my friend's house or, or somewhere else, and I, you know, I had to go out, and you know, I, I, the big thing when I was growing up was cruising. Yeah, y'all, y'all, you see, y'all, some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm gonna talk to old people here for just a second. Cruising, you'd get in your car, and it would be Friday night, and you'd make 900 circles around Pizza Hut in Norton. <laughs> now we did that. I confess we did that, and people came out to this. I mean, you know, people were, you know, they'd go out and, you, you know, and people would be sitting on the hood of their car and they were just talking. Most of the time people were just talking. But it was, it was cruising, you know. I mean, it was the thing to do. I don't even know if it's legal now. But, um, um, but I mean, that was the social event. I mean, you know, that was the Friday and Saturday night event. And, and you know, when I wasn't out singing or playing music on the weekends, Traveling around, I, you know, that was, you know, we'd be cruising. You, so you get in your car, you sit at home, and you, you know, and all of a sudden you say, I need to go out and see what's going on. Fear of, of missing out. And it, it's easy to, to kind of be conditioned to think that something's out there that is going to, going to, going to help us alone. I'm going somewhere with this, so just hang on. Sometimes we get emotionally, emotionally weary. Now, what, what does that look like? Well, that, uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough one. Emotional weariness. It's, it has mental and emotional tones that we have. The big word that we have today is we call it stress. We call it stress. And we have stress-related illnesses. Uh, this is one. Let's, let me give you a little survey. Boiled, uh, it said, uh, this is an APA finding, 2000, um, 2010. Said you boil it all down. Said chronic stress interferes with your ability to function normally over extended period of times. It is a public. You know they're saying the 
They're saying it's a public health crisis. That's something, isn't it, to think stress. Now, why are we so stressed? We have more. You know, I've got more indoor plumbing than my grandfather had. Okay, I don't want to go into details. But, you know, you think about it. My grandmother washed clothes on a washboard at the creek. And now we have an agitated washing machine. Right? Think about it. I remember my grandmother baking bread, not too far from here, on a wooden stove that she had wood to feed it, and she made the best cornbread. And they had little stress. We have lot stress. Right? Now, I'm, this is not a message on stress, but it takes emotional tones. Let me ask you, what happens when it takes spiritual tones? And what are the spiritual implications of this kind of, of weariness? Because I, I suspect to say that somewhere in your life, you're feeling weary about something. Weary. Here's the way weariness spiritually works. Weariness is the things that we're praying for, that we've prayed for for years, and seemingly God is silent. And you pray and you pray and you pray, and it seems like God is not attentive to your prayer. Spiritual weariness takes this form of uh, spiritual discomfort, dis-ease, dis-ease. Prayers go unanswered, days turn into months, months turn into years, and it appears that it's heading for a lifetime of this unanswered prayer. And if you were to be honest, you might say, I'm kind of disappointed in God. Either I'm disappointed in God or I don't have enough faith. That's the two approaches to spiritual weariness that people have. I'm disappointed. They say, I'm disappointed in God. I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and God doesn't hear my prayer. So you become weary. Some people, you know, we're hearing it in, the, in our most recent news of people that are saying, hey, I, I'm, you know, the pastor is saying, hey, I'm, I'm in, in the faith, but I'm, I'm now abandoning my faith. I don't even believe this anymore. And I'm like, wait, what happened? And I don't know. I don't know all the intricacies, and I certainly don't want to get into the theology of all this, especially now, but could it be weariness? Could it be weariness? You, you find yourself weary. You, you find yourself... You just find yourself taking a deep breath. You don't say words, because it's, but it's all in your breathing. You take a big, deep breath, and you just kind of go, you breathe out. And, and it, it takes its toll on us, and, and it comes at us from every angle, so we find ourselves, we find ourselves going through the, motion, the, the motions of life, even spiritually, and even people of faith for years. And we find ourselves weary. I want you to look at the word now because Jesus gives us, he gives us an invitation. 
Jesus gives us an invitation. And notice, notice what he said here in chapter 11, verse 27. He says, all things have been... Uh, well, the psalmist said this first. Let's go back here. The psalmist said this. David said this. David felt this. So go to the psalms. He says, I had fainted unless I'd believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He said, you know, I would have fainted. I was weary. I would have fainted unless I had seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord and be a... Notice here. It's very opposite of a hurried life. It's the last thing that I'm conditioned to do. And that is, say it with me, it is to wait. Wait. I gotta, I gotta do. I, I have to hurry up and do this. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and He will strengthen your heart. I say, wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Now that's that's a promise. That's a promise that is that is based on the character of God. And notice what David said. And David understood this. And here was a man who was far from perfect. A man who was king. A man who had felt the pressures of life. The pressures of a kingdom. He said, I'd have fainted unless I'd seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. There may be, listen, you know, that may be the place that you kind of anchor down in your mind. In your prayer, Lord, I pray that I can see your goodness. Now, it's not that God is not good and God is bringing goodness in your life all the time in my life, there's just sometimes I can't clearly see it. There's way more blessings than there are there, there is the weight of burdens to carry. So anchor into the goodness of God, the character of God. That's why, listen, that's why theology is very important in your life, whether you believe it or not. What you and I believe to be true about God will keep you in some of the hardest, most difficult, and burdensome times. Be of good courage, David said. Now I want you to look at the Scripture. Let's flip over in the New Testament, see what Jesus said about this. Jesus said this. Let's look at these words. He says, all things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and for whom the Son wills to reveal Him. Now look at these verses. You know these verses. You can quote these verses. You've heard these verses quoted for years. Notice here what they are. Jesus said this. He says, come to me. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest in the realm of your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So here's the big idea. The big idea for the weary is this. Christ gives an invitation to receive and his ways to learn. That's it. 
Now, this is, this is very simple. I want you to think about this. This is a very, very simple message. If, if This is a basically a two-point message. That doesn't mean it's going to be shorter, by the way. <laughs> um, he gives us an invitation to receive and his ways to learn. And notice here, he offers nothing less than himself. Now, you can't miss this. I think this is what we do. We, you know, we want the three easy steps so I can hurry up and get it implemented in my life and to feel bad about myself when I fail at it. And Jesus says, wait a minute, here, here it is. I give, you, I give you nothing less than me. Think about it. You know, if you wanted, ever wanted a personal coach, right here it is. Personal Lord. He gives us nothing less than himself, and then he gives us an invitation to come and receive. Think about it. Receive, and then to follow his leading. Two things. Two things. Very simple. Receiving by coming to him. And learning his ways. We say, how do you do that? Good question. How do you do that? I love the Message Bible rendering of this. Well, let's go to the first one here before we go. Go ahead and go to the next one. So notice what Jesus said. He said, come to me, all you who labor... That word there literally is a word that denotes activity. He's talking about those who are, who are laboring. And then he says those, this is passive, a passive participle, meaning that, and those of you who are heavy laden, he's talking about human misery, literally. Now, let me give you some context of this so that you can get a deeper understanding and we get a real full orb understanding of this. Here's what, here's what Jesus was dealing with. Jesus was coming to these little villages all over. And people were flocking to hear him. And Jesus was ministering to, to them at the deepest point of their needs. He was dealing with them in their sickness. He was dealing with them in their emotional pains. And he was dealing with them right in their human misery and suffering. And listen, Jesus was doing what the what the, his contemporary religious leaders around him were failing at. You see, they had made up a system so tight, airtight and religious, that people felt so far away from God that God was not even nearby. And they couldn't dare manage to live like a good Pharisee or even a Sadducee because the religious rules were just too much. So what does what a woman who's, who's given her life over to prostitution do? What does somebody that, that life is just weighed in on them, they're, they're weighed down and burdened and religion comes along and lays more onto it? So instead of making God approachable, we just put up barriers to God. 
And we put up more of a system that lays down more stress on us. See, it's an internal stress. You see, the, the stress most of the time that we face and we deal with are the, are the expectations that we place on ourselves that God doesn't even place on us. And then we often blame Him for it. We come, come to all you lay, who labor and are heavy laden. He's saying all of you who are stressed and worn out, all of you are more than that, are sinners. You can't even get your guilt cleaned. You can't, and there's the stress of you carry that of your own sinfulness and your own separation of, from your God, and you know it, and religion is there that you think, and, and you can't even measure up to it. And you breathe real deep. Now I have people tell me occasionally they'll say, you know, I just can't live for God. I can't, I can't do it. I say, great. You're the kind of person that signs up for Jesus. Yeah. You're the kind of person that he wants. You're, you're the kind of person that. But I failed a lot, and I, you know, I, I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried, and I, you know, this is what I think God wants me to do because I knew so and so and so and so, and this is how they lived, and I tried it, and I can't do that. Well, take a big deep breath. For the things you can't do, there is a Savior who can. Have you breathed in grace lately? And I know, listen, I know Christian folk, and I've been there my own self in my own life. That they, they can't hardly breathe spiritually because, because they are weighed down with all this sense of expectation that they think God expects of them. And so they live in perpetual guilt, they live in perpetual shame, and they live with a perpetual sense that they are not adequate enough, that they cannot even surely please God because they can't even get up to this measure up to their expectation of what they think that God wants. And that's who Jesus was dealing with. Now, Eugene Peterson wrote this book uh, called The Message, and it's a paraphrase. Here's how he paraphrased. I like this, and that's why I'm using it. He paraphrased these verses. He says, are you tired and worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Now, just, just look at it. Are you burned out on, on religion? He says, come to me and get away with me, and you'll recover your life. Huh. He says, come away with me. You'll recover your, your, your life. He says, for the heavy laden and the weary, and then he says, learn of me. Let's go on to the next one. He says, learn of me. And the, he says, there's some unforced rhythms of grace. I like that. I'm a musician. I love that. I like rhythm. Anything that I dislike is anything that's out of tune and out of time. Right? Our drummer is never out of time. He, he isn't really. I'm serious. I'm, I'm, I told him, I said, you're like a drum machine. You know, if it's 6-8 time, he's on it. You know, a lot of drummers speed up. I, I, you, you, Danny is almost, you, you don't even hardly notice him playing. Why? It's because he's like a drum machine. 
I mean, he's like, yeah, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. There is a rhythm. There is a rhythm. There is a rhythm to grace. And I would like to think that that there's been some things that, that, I've, that I've learned right off the bat as a Christian. No, there's some things that I've had to unlearn to walk in a rhythm of grace. Now, let me just say this as, as we're going into this. Jesus is not telling us, hey, don't worry about it. You're human. You can just kind of live any way you want to. If you want, yeah, yeah, you're human. No, no, he's not saying that. He is not, it's not, it's called antinomianism. He's not giving us a carte blanche to say, oh yeah, just go ahead and live any way you want to. No, no, no. Jesus is first saying, come to me. And then he says, he goes to take it a step farther. And then he says, learn of me. See, a lot of people have enough religion just to make them miserable. Seriously. And just enough of like, yeah, I prayed that prayer, but it's, yeah, it's just, I'm just not really consistent in my life, and I'm just, and it's just enough to make you miserable. And why? It could be that you're not learning to learn of me. Jesus said, "Come to me." Oh, I've come to Jesus. I wanted that quick fix, and you know, I, I went through, I went through the. I went through the drive-through, and I, I, I felt good for a while, and and all of it, but it somehow just quit working. Well, did you go to the learn of me part? Because there's two parts to the sermon. There's two parts to the invitation. There, there's two parts to this. You receive the, the person of Christ. And let me just say this. You know, God, I mean, you, you know, if we go out and we kind of live any way we want to live, and we say, oh, yeah, everybody's doing this and all that and all that, and we're not miserable, something would be wrong. A good God wants us to live our, with our heart given to Him totally and completely. Jesus just doesn't want a part of your life. I'm telling you, He wants it all. I mean, He wants it. He, he can't block all of it. Not just enough that makes you feel good religiously and uh, I feel good and, you know, so I can get my life fixed up and, yeah, and everything's running okay and, and I feel good about myself and et cetera, et cetera. He wants more than that. He wants you. He wants intimate fellowship and communion with you, the God of the universe. Isn't that powerful? It's so powerful that I spit about it. And I just see that come. I'm sorry. I know that, and sorry for anybody that's online that's watching this. But <laughs> you just, but it's it's intimate. And then he says, get so close that you're following me and looking at my steps. Learn of me. Here's Eugene Peterson. He says, I'm two things. He says, I'm meek and I'm lowly of heart. Two things he keys in on that I want to key in on here, and then we're going to close here with communion. He says, I'm, I'm meek and I'm lowly of heart. Eugene Peterson goes on to say, say it this way. In, in the message, he says it this way. He says, he, says, he says, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. In other words, get in the timing of God. He said, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. He says, take my yoke. Take my yoke upon you. 
He's saying, be coupled up with me. It's like an ox. You think about an oxen. They would, they would couple an oxen up, and they, you think, well, that's a burden. Yes, it is. But his burden is easy, and his yoke is light. Powerful. Powerful. It's a powerful reality. When you link up, when, when you live under the lordship of Christ, and you are identified as his doulos, Greek word for slave. Your identity's in Him. Your life is in Him. The reality of what you experience in life, whether it's good or bad, is in Him. And all of a sudden, your life is consumed with the, with the life of something bigger than yourself. And when you get that, it's very freeing. It frees you up from living a life of pretense. It, lives, it frees you up of living a life that, that is trying to measure up it, it, uh, and trying to look right. It, it frees you up to living a life authentic with your maker. So Jesus, he says, watch and see how I do it. Look at the, uh, the, the unforced rhythms of grace. He said, I'm not here to put extra laws on you like many in the Pharisees had done to the Jewish religion. He says, I'm not here to do that. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So Jesus would go out on the Sabbath day and break ears of corn to feed his disciples. He broke the law, the tradition of the law. That's what he broke. He, didn't, he wasn't a lawbreaker. He broke all the man-made traditions of the law. Why? And they said, well, look, he's working on a Sabbath. He healed a person on the Sabbath. Well, well look at here. He's, he's healing this man on the Sabbath. Couldn't he wait till Monday morning to heal him? You know, couldn't he wait till, couldn't he wait till after the Sabbath and heal this guy? I mean, now he's, he's listen, here's, here's how they would have worked this. Uh, you know, he's healing this guy on the Sabbath, and now this guy's going to walk home. He's going to walk too many feet. Home. And so now, now not only is he the lawbreaker of doing work on the Sabbath, but he's causing this man to be a lawbreaker. That's how it works. Jesus said, I didn't come to put anything ill-fitting on you or anything heavy. He says, I've come that the burden is easy and my yoke is light. He says, I just give it all to me. You just come to me. You cast it all on me. For I'm meek and lowly at heart. Meekness is not weakness. It is that inward work of God's grace. It is that inward rot of the soul. Inward grace of the soul. Vine says it this way. Vine's dictionary. And the exercise of which is first chief towards God. It is that temper of spirit in which we accept his. Listen to this. Which we accept his dealings with us as good. Now, that's a hard one. I take a deep breath on that because there's sometimes I don't feel that. And it's therefore without disputing or resisting. It is closely linked to the word humility. Humble of heart does not fight against God or more or less contend with Him. It is saying, you're God, and I'm not. And when you say that, 
when you do that, when you release the struggle to God and say, God, I can't handle this, I can't, you're God, and you're good, what you're saying is, I can't be the Lord of my life. There's somebody that who is greater, a greater authority that I move myself under to get in the flow of his of this unforced unforced rhythm of grace. We get into his heartbeat. And there we find the burden is easy and the yoke is light. He said that he was lowly of mind. First Peter chapter 5 verse 7, one of my favorite verses. It's actually, it says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Humility. Lowliness of mind. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. In other words, it means move yourself from out from side of the areas of these of ungrace and under the authority of the sovereign Lord and wait. He will exalt you in due time. Do not be weary in well-doing. You will reap. Cast all your cares on him for he does what? He cares for you. Do you believe it? He does. So that's how the weary makes it. Jesus said, if you do that, you will find this inward tranquility of the soul. It's called rest. It's called rest. Like a, like a sheep in the field following the good shepherd, you will find rest in your soul. It is that inward tranquility of the soul. That says, Lord, I am simply resting on you. You have an invitation to receive. Come to me. And a challenge to follow and learn of Jesus. If I were wanting to take that second challenge, here's what I would do. I would begin to look at the life and the rhythms of Jesus in the Gospels. Look at his life. Look what he did. Look at the time that he spent alone with the Father. Look at, look at his life. Look at how he approached problems. Look at how he approached people. Look at how he approached his relationship with the Father. And what you will find is a life filled with grace. Because he was nothing but grace and truth. Nothing but that. Jesus offers to me and to you rest 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 in your soul rest in knowing that your sins are forgiven rest in knowing that he is enough rest in knowing that you can cast your cares on him cares because they're real care in knowing that there's communion with the heavenly father who loves you and gave himself in Christ gave himself for you. Come. Let's pray together.
Let's pray together. You're here this morning. And you're not here by accident, or you're not listening by accident. And you're thinking, yeah, Greg, I've got that one thing that's weighing me down. Or maybe two. Maybe, maybe you've got a plethora of things. You say, oh, I can't even begin. I want you to know this. You've got a Savior who cares for you. You've got a Lord who loves you, who created you. Now, you may be here and you say, you know what, I'm not even sure that I even have that connection. The good news is, you can. Jesus offers forgiveness of our sins. And he offers himself as a substitute for our sins. You know, by nature, we're lawbreakers, the law of God, transgressing the law of God, created in His image to bear His glory. And we've fallen far from that. But Jesus comes to the glory of God, God in the flesh, to pay our penalty. And to die on a cross for our sins. As our substitute. And there is, no, there is not enough good works that you could ever do. To earn what he's already purchased for you. So in humility you have to receive it. And receiving it means this. Receiving it says Lord I'm a sinner and I realize that I can't do a thing about it. In your sight. But I'm coming to Christ who has already done something about it. And I'm receiving his righteousness in my, in my behalf. And I'm turning from my sin to turn to him. That's life changing. Anybody that has ever come to God. Has come to him by that way. There's some of you here that are, that many of you, most of you here probably have trusted Christ somewhere along the way. Yeah, you've done that. But the cares and the burdens of this life have just absolutely wore you out. Wearing you down. Today, you could, there can be a refreshment in the depth of your soul and your heart. Jesus gives us the prescription. The prescription is real easy. It's himself. You come to Him. You lay the burdens over to the Lord. And you reaffirm in your own humility, Lord, I need you. And you roll those burdens over to Jesus and you leave them.